Hello, hello. This is Sherry from the Sherry K. Hoff Show, where we focus on living joyfully and successfully in your life and business. You can find us at SherryKHoff.com. That's S-H-E-R-I-K-A-Y-E-H-O-F-F.com. On the Sherry K. Hoff Show, we feature interesting people doing interesting things. My guest, Courtney Turner, is the host of the Courtney Turner Podcast, WIM What is Movement, and her new show coming soon, The Right Voices. She is also a speaker and aerial acrobatic performer. She spent her academic career in the topics of philosophy and psychology, and also being a passionate athlete and performing artist. This paved the way for the world in which she is currently immersed. Courtney is an overcomer. Let's hear her share her story today. Hi, Courtney. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to talk to you. And you have such an incredible story and so much value to share here today with our guests. So um, why don't we just start with your story and how you got to where you are today? All right. Well, the Cliff Notes version would be that my mom was sick during first trimester of pregnancy. The doctor, so my mom's OBGYN, was friends with my uh, with my parents and the wife had been traveling and she had been diagnosed with congen- with German measles. And my father, about, I don't know, maybe a week or so later, w- fell ill. He was pretty sure that that's what he had. And about 10 days later, my mom found a rash on her upper chest. And she had no other real symptoms. It was very mild, but she knew she was pregnant. And so she was very concerned. She started doing all sorts of research. And she went to go have the titer tested, but the titer, the doctor was dyslexic. He read the titer as being 112, meaning that I was not afflicted, but the titer was really 121, meaning that I was. So when I was born, they were kind of covering up for this doctor who had made a mistake, but my mom was pretty convinced something was not quite right. In particular, she kept seeing that one of my eyes was rolling up in the top of my head. And they kept telling her, don't worry about it. Baby's eyes don't focus. And she said, but one eye focuses. Why isn't the other eye focusing? So she finally found a doctor after determining that my eye looked a lot like her father's who just had cataracts. So she found a doctor who confirmed that I was born with a cataract. They did a cataract procedure uh, when I was about three months old. But cataract removal back then was very different than it is today. And they pulled the iris and they left debris behind the retina. They had to go back and do what's called a retinal cleanup. And when they did that, they found a rubella pigmentation behind my sighted eye, the other eye. And they determined that I was then going to be completely blind, deaf, autistic, retarded, and that the only hope my mom had was to find a nice institution for me to spend my life. Fortunately, my mom did not believe this <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, really kept fighting for me and trying to find ways that we could, you know, deal with whatever it was going to be. What we did find is that I was hearing impaired very significantly. I actually learned how to speak by reading lips. I was going to sneeze. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I uh, I didn't get hearing. So I was almost six years old because I learned how to speak by reading lips. But I, I do have a significant hearing impairment bilaterally both years. I had heart surgery when I was a year old. 
I was born with fine, uh, fine graphic motor impairment, uh, hypotonic limbs, stunted growth, asymmetrical bone development, uh, dental complications, all sorts of problems. So they told my mom that that was the best she could hope was to find a nice institution for me to spend my life. So, yeah, so we were, you know, we kind of uh, really tried to resist that and we found many ways to deal with the challenges at hand. So, which I can go into if you'd like, but. Yeah. So, but you're just like doing remarkable today. So you started with a mom who really believed and advocated for you. Mm -hmm. And um, now tell us about some of the incredible things that you're doing today and how you're helping people. And, um, and really, I mean, I would say like, you're far beyond a normal life. You're living a stellar life. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So uh, today I am involved in several different, uh, thing that had seemed kind of unrelated. I think they're very related though. I, I have a podcast. I'm the Courtney Turner podcast and I spell my name like Courtney. So it's the court, but it's, it's pronounced Courtney, but it's spelled Courtney. Um, so I have a podcast. I release three times a week. I do uh, aerial acrobatic performances and motivational speaking. I talk about using movement as a metaphor for life and physical training as a teacher to help you overcome adversity and challenges in other areas of life. And then I have a couple of other uh, projects. I've got a show, it's called Whim, What is Movement? And that's where we explore ways that movement helps people to heal emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And then I have a round table, uh, a female show. That's a, yeah, called The Right Voices. Okay, so so you're doing, you have your hands in a lot of things. So so when you talk about, physical movement for healing and for, Mm. you know, success and making your life better. How do you get people started with that? Like, give me an example of what that looks like. So it's going to be different for everyone. That's so my slogan is that all human beings are designed to move the ways in which we do are our unique creative expression. So, uh, you know, of course people always like to find, uh, to play contrarian, like what, what's the one, uh, you know, devil's advocate, right? And even somebody who's completely paralyzed will use their eyes to communicate. You know, so there is movement. There's always movement. I I kind of believe if you're not moving, then you're stagnant. If you're stagnant, you're dying. So, um, yeah. And now that we have technology that actually helps those people, they can, you know, write with uh, eye movement. So it really is going to be, I, I only bring up that example to show that it will really be different. You know, that's such an extreme example, but it's going to be very, very different for everyone. You know, for some people, uh, you know, it's their daily wellness walks, I call them. Uh, you know, some people who even professional athletes will do daily wellness walks as well. And for somebody who maybe is not very active, that wellness walk could be a workout. So it really is different. You know, some people are like, they like to uh, do something that's more overtly creative uh, physically, like dance, or you know, I do aerial. Um, so it, it's going to vary, but I I tell people that they need to find what they like and really dive into that. And it's not always going to be the same, even for the same person. You know, some days I want to go to CrossFit, other days I prefer, you know, something uh, like aerial, and other days I want something a little bit more mellow. So, yeah, yeah. So I. Um... You know, like what I notice is laying around 
just breeds more laying around. So yeah, so, right. A body emotion stays in motion, yeah. body rest. Yeah. No, that there's there's a lot of truth to that. I tell people typically the first thing to start with is walking. If people start with walking 15 minutes a day, they usually it usually leads to more. And that seems to be pretty accessible for most people. Uh, and there's so many benefits to it that have that are not necessarily obvious. You know, I think it has a lot of uh grounding benefits being especially if you walk outside in nature um you know you're getting direct sunlight which is you know has tremendous benefits for your circadian rhythm and for your hormone health um you know but it's also i I think it's kind of meditative for people you know walking is something that not everybody's built to run but really most people are built to walk so Mm -hmm. That's true. And um, I know for me, I'm a really spiritual person. And Mm -hmm. so I, you know, I love to meditate and, um, and do things like that. But I find that, you know, sometimes the meditation is, you know, just turning on some drums and Mm -hmm. dancing, and that's a meditation. And so when, you know, when I'm kind of getting too much into my head, or, you know, too much into, um, you know, like sometimes it's almost like out of body. It's like doing something to completely ground myself and mm-hmm. be in my body and be fully present um, mm-hmm. makes a really big difference. And I know for a lot of people, when it comes to movement, um, you know, what I hear from people in my coaching practice is kind of an all or nothing, you know, like if I don't have time for an hour workout, I don't have time for a workout or, or it's the opposite of, um, you know, oh, if I, if I um, do like a couple minutes of walking, that doesn't make a difference. And it's really like, sometimes it's even just standing up, getting ready to walk that starts Mm. it all, you know, like, you know, in every minute, every two minutes, every five minutes does make a difference. And it starts. Yeah. You you ever tell, tell somebody who's doing a 20 second all out sprint that that meant nothing. I mean, that's, you know, right there that can, but those last like three seconds can be brutal. Um, absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. And that's why I say start with a 15 minute walk and it doesn't even have to be all at once. Accumulate, you know, like five minutes at a time. But I, what I often find is there are very few people who, if they start with the intention of getting 15 minutes of some sort of intentional, it doesn't even have to be walking, but walking seems to be pretty accessible for a lot of people. That's usually what I recommend, but really just 15 minutes of any intentional movement a day. I I think that that is incredibly beneficial for people and it usually leads to a lot more. Yeah. And so, you know, what about those people? So we're talking about getting started, but also what about those people who are, um, you know, like the extreme athletes, like Mm -hmm. um, my, my son, Jeff runs 50 to a hundred mile races. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, it's, that's, you know, totally on the other side of, of this whole movement thing, but is there a movement that he could do that would, instead of being like a competitive thing or like a driving his body thing, like a more mindful thing, what would you recommend to someone like that? I think it would really, I I wouldn't give like a blanket kind of recommendation without knowing him. I would need to know him physically, like, and I don't just mean by looking at him, I would need to understand his physicality, like how he moves. And, you know, I, and I, I would need to understand a little bit about his, his routine, his personality, before I could come up with some sort of a suggestion. But I, 
I would think that something that is a little bit more uh, not such a repetitive movement. Because the thing about running is it's it's very linear and it's very repetitive. Uh, so it can be very hard on the joints and, it, you know, it can be uh, it can lead to a lot of stiffness and a lot of muscle imbalances. So, you know, I would probably again, I would have to ask him some some questions, but whatever it was, it would be something that was countering that. So something that maybe incorporates some lateral movement, something that incorporates, you know, maybe some sort of stretching. Uh, and it doesn't have to necessarily be like passive stretching, it might be more mobility work uh, to work on those imbalances. And then probably some resistance training just because, you know, the the body either likes to build or, you know, break down. So you're either an anabolic or catabolic. Uh, so it would probably something to counter that. So what, um, so, so that's interesting. So we've got kind of two extremes, like the person who mm-hmm. isn't moving and the person who is, you know, the extreme athlete. And mm-hmm. it seems like most of my kids have some version of all the boys anyway, of the extreme <laughs> athlete. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but, you know, they do things like, you know, they love to dance and mm-hmm. rock climb and, you know, so things that, yeah. that change the focus. And I yeah. think, I think that's important. I think anytime we're just like stuck in a routine, I mean, there's a difference between a good habit and, um, and a routine that starts to just not be fun anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, you had mentioned that the extreme athletes, they're competitive, right? So the movement that I would guide them towards would be something that's very non-competitive, something that incorporates either more uh, restorative mindfulness or something that uh, incorporates a lot of play. Either one could really work or a combination thereof. But I think something that's outside of that uh, competitive kind of, for me, the two that I engage in a lot are CrossFit and aerial acrobatics. And, uh, you know, aerial is much more of a performance art. So it's very expressive. It's very creative. It can be very playful. And it's performance oriented, but it's not really competition oriented. Whereas CrossFit, I don't compete anymore. But, you know, even when you're not competing, you're in that class environment. It can be, it can feel very competitive. So I feel like that's kind of a nice balance between the two. I'm a huge fan of walking as well. That I think of that as like my moving meditation. Yeah. So I, yeah. I do I, trampoline I, classes as well. <laughs> oh, fun. Trampoline. That's so I love fun. trampoline. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good for lymphatic drainage. And it oh. also just feels very like, you know, reminds you of childhood. So. Yeah. yeah I, I like those things that remind you of childhood, like on the 4th of July, we do a family volleyball tournament every mm-hmm. year. And then we get out, we also get out the croquet set. And this started a few years ago when I was remembering, you know, 4th of July at my grandpa's house and how wow. we always played croquet. And I was like, I wonder if they still sell croquet. Sets. And so it's just, it's fun to do movement together. So when you, so when people start either embracing movement or shifting their movement patterns, what are some of the benefits that people see? So I, I often don't talk too much about the physiological, the emotional, mental benefits, because I feel like there's so much literature on that. I don't need to, <laughs> you know, they're, they're just copious, like kind of just 
unlimited information in that regard. Uh, you know, certainly we know all the physiological benefits of it, improving all your biomarkers, uh, you know, cognitive, it's one of the movement is one of the strongest mitigations against cognitive decline. You know, I think anybody who has ever done a workout knows, uh, you know, if they, they were in a bad mood, it's pretty hard to be still in a bad mood after a good workout, right? So what I talk more about is the philosophical kind of uh, uh, benefits uh, and uh, t- tools. You know, I think of it, I talk about it being a teacher. And I think that that's something that people don't think about too often, but it's very concrete. So it's not that you don't learn these lessons in other areas of life, but the lessons you learn from your physical training are pretty hard to ignore because they're very tangible. They're very concrete, practical. So the the analogy would be if I were to, you know, do a deadlift, I either lift the weight or I don't, you know, there's, there's really no in between. We can argue about maybe I didn't have the best form, you know, I can improve my technique, but I either lift the weight or I don't, you know, so, and, and the, you know, the example is going on, but it, that's how tangible and how concrete literal movement is. So, I what I like people to look at is, you know, how did you get there? I, I use the example often of when I was coaching CrossFit. A lot of it was mostly women who, if they couldn't do a push up, it was a very daunting thing for them, and they would tell me that they were never going to be able to do push ups on their feet. You know, they they could only do what they call girl push ups on their knees, modified push ups. And of course, you know, for most people, that's not true. It's just going to take some time, and it will take some progressive overload. And they, you know, that one of the coolest things about coaching is watching people do something that they never thought they could do and that sense of accomplishment. But I think that's such a great teacher because we all have challenges in life. Life is full of challenges. Life is full of adversity and uh, obstacles. But physical training is all about challenges and obstacles. And I think through working on those, we we can really examine what works for us in other areas of life. So that's typically really what I talk to people about because I just think it's it's so valuable and it's something that uh, directly has, it has direct transfer, but people don't often think about it. So, yeah, I love that. You know, when, when I'm working with people and they, you know, it's not the physical movement part, but when they say, um, you know, oh, I could never give a webinar or I could never, um, you know, talk in front of a group of 100 mm-hmm. people or a thousand okay. people or whatever. Um, you know, it's, I always bring up, well, what areas in your life are you really successful at? Where did you overcome your challenges? And they'll exactly. make like a whole big long list. And, you know, my philosophy is if you're successful in one area, you can just transfer that success into another area. You know, like with, you learned something once, it means you can learn anything, you know, at any time. So absolutely. But I think of it as like, what is it that works? So look at those tools. So with, you know, another example I always use is that even an Olympic athlete, no matter how talented that athlete is, they're not going to the Olympics by sitting on the couch all day. They have to put in the work, right? So they're constantly looking at, you know, what worked? Was it, you know, the, the habits that they built, uh, the, the types of training they did, you know, the types of recovery methods that they used, the the mindset training. You know, and these are just examples I'm throwing out there, but, you know, it's endless, right? And it's going to be very personal for that individual. 
But that's what I want people to look at because those are things that can directly carry over, you know, the the discipline that you used to get your first push up, right? The 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 consistency of work that you put in, right? That has carry over how into really every other area of life, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and when you look at, you know, what works for people, I mean, I love well, I love people watching and I love mm-hmm watching competitive sports and the Olympics. And, you know, I study athletes' faces and Mm. um, body language. And, you know, I find that the people who are able to stay loose, Mm -hmm. you know, um, do better, perform better. And then instead of the people Mm. who start getting all tense and worried about Mm. the competition and, um, you know, they might have two athletes of the same talent, the same training level, but the person who can, you know, get that relaxed, you know, I I, I like to call it relaxed action, you know, uh-huh. you're firing up, but you're not tense. And, you know, I kind of take this concept, even um, for one of my son's coaches, who would always say before a game where they played an opponent that was supposed to, you know, annihilate them, he, and, you know, they'd start to feel the guys tightening up and getting tense and just stay loose. And so, so I say, that's one of my things I say to myself when I get worked up about things, you know, stay loose, stay loose. <laughs> totally. Well, it, it's actually, uh, in, in, neurologically speaking, is because you're the most uh, create, you have peak performance when you have a combination of uh, uh, alpha and theta brainwave states. So that's kind of the you know, very relaxed, but it's it's like the, the two extremes, right? Of the brainwave state. But when you have a combination of those, that's when you're in the zone, what they call, you know, the, so it's a creative space, whether it be, uh, you know, in your physical uh, practice or whether it be, you know, artistic creation. But that, and that, I think that's why you're, that's what you're picking up on. You know, it's that it's that relaxed, but it's not relaxed, like sleepy, relaxed. Right. It's it's relaxed, but very, very focused. So, yeah. Great. Well, so, um, you know, we've talked a lot about the movement pieces and I just Mm -hmm. want to open it up for you to just kind of bring forward any recent projects that you're working on. And um, and, you know, I hate to ever have a guest leave and go, oh, I left this out. I wish I could have talked about this. So, so what do you wish you could talk about? <laughs> uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, well, I mean, I definitely, people can go check out my podcast. I'm in the process. I just did an event, uh, two weeks ago at where I spoke and I did an aerial performance. I'm preparing for another one, uh, January 14th. So people can follow me on my my website, my social media. I'll start posting it as soon as we're still looking for a space. But as soon as we have that locked down, then and that should be a pretty big event with several bands. Uh, I think we're even going to have a fire act, several speakers. So that should be really exciting. It's also the day before my birthday. So we're hoping that that date's going to you know work out. And uh, yeah, other than that, I have a, a couple of things that, you know, I'm teaming up with uh, you guys. We're starting something called Pirate Stream Media. We've already launched uh, two shows together. So we're going to start doing a regular show. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I'm got a bunch of things in the works. I have some uh, writing I'm going to get back to. But yeah, if you stay on top of my uh, my website, my social media, you'll find all that. So, OK, so tell us, direct us to your website. Okay, it's it for us. 
Yes, it's CourtneyTurner.com. So it's C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y, Turner, T-U-R-N-E-R. It's all one word. And I, I don't believe it's case sensitive.com. So it's 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 pronounced Courtney, but it's spelled like Courtney. Courtney Turner.com. Okay. And is there like any special place on your website that you want to direct people to? Um, or should they just like play around with the navigation? You know, yeah, I mean, it really depends on what they're looking for. Um, I will have uh, under the aerial and speaking events is where I'll have the notice about the January 14th. I, I don't have that up there yet because we, we haven't locked it down. But as soon as we do, I'll have that up there. All of my podcast episodes are there. Um, I have a section for articles, so you can find my writing there. And yeah, I'm still in the process of updating it. So I think I have some of my affiliate links and stuff. We want discounts on things there. So yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I just really appreciate you being here with us today. And, you know, we've talked about a lot. So what is the one thing, if someone could just get started with something that would change their life today, what would you recommend that to be? So I, what I always tell people, and I don't think this is so much like what they should start with, but it's something to keep in mind is that you have a one in 400 trillion chance of being born. So they're now actually saying it's one in 400, uh, yeah, one one in 400 quadrillion is what they're saying now. And that's, people, humans can't even fathom what that, what those odds are. So that, that means that we are all miracles and I think if if I impart nothing else today, it is for you to understand that you are a living miracle and to go forth and act like it. Oh my gosh, that is so beautiful. Wow. So I want to thank you and thank all of our listeners, wherever you are in the world. I really appreciate you and I will talk to all of you soon. Take care. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for having me. Visit SherryKhoff.com. That's S-H-E-R-I-K-A-Y-E-H-O-F-F.com for more podcast episodes. Or you can say, Alexa, play the Sherry K. Hoff Show. This podcast is syndicated globally and you can listen anywhere where you're listening to your other podcasts. Some examples are Apple, Google, Podlink, Podcast Addict, Spotify, and many more.